0: warm welcome this morning love you brother
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh cammy can kind of preach circles around me sometimes but i always told her i said she'd preach a message you know and and i told her time, i said cammy i said that was that was a really good message and she said well bub i appreciate that and i said i am telling you i said i'm not just passing out a compliment here i said that was a really good message i said i'll tell you what i'm going to do and she said, what? I said, I'm going to take that message. I'm going to put some meat to it and really preach it for you. <laughs> she didn't like that too much. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's really got. Last, uh Speaking of basketball, last three years I've gone to the state tournament and called in the AB in the state tournament at a, AB uh, class. And so I'm hoping this will be my fourth year in a row. And I told Pastor Mark, I said, usually in your fourth year, if you make it back, they give you a final, so. Hopefully, Lydia will be there, and hopefully I'll get it, and hopefully I'll make the right calls, and hopefully you come home with a gold ball, and That that's the way it all supposed to work out, and the offering wouldn't hurt, man. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's right. Well, it's a blessing to be here, Pastor Mark and Jay, to have a special uh, place in my, my wife's uh, heart. Whew. Always have. I've known uh, them for about probably 15 years. And, then they just, you know, you know, when you connect with somebody, it's, it's powerful. And there's a connection with our church and this church and our, our leadership and their leadership. And we really appreciate them, you know. And I always try to tell people, especially when they have a good pastor, <laughs> but when you have a good pastor, recognize your gift. Take care of your gift because there's an average of 100 pastors a month stepping away from the pulpit and retiring and quitting. So it's a stressful job. And I'm pastor, pastor Mark, kind of like me. I'm by vocational. I have a, a lot landscape company. I own Pastor Mark, does real estate. And uh, I, I really have a special place in my heart for that kind of guy <laughs> because it takes a lot to do two different jobs. You know, people think, well, you just only work two hours a week. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. But they don't realize each sermon, we take you from eight to 10 hours per sermon for a 30 minute sermon. So appreciate your gift. You've been blessed with a good one. That's a good one. And I, I, uh, I married my wife. You know, she doesn't get to come with me. Some of you ladies have been to our conference down there. And my wife is a praise and worship leader. She's the head of our uh, women's uh, ministry in Soul Fred. facing church there. And so the dad's, my dad's agreement with me says, son, you can go anytime you want to go. But your wife stays and leads <laughs> praise and worship. And so I said, okay, that's good enough. So, But anyway, we've been married now for 36 years in a row <laughs> consecutively no breaks someone asked me the other day they said do, do you date I said I've asked my wife she said I cannot date I cannot she will not let me we have two awesome kids I have one that's 31 one is 26 uh, my son's 31 daughter's 26 and then uh, she's given me two grandkids I hadn't got a pup from my son yet uh, him and his wife are very uh, career oriented so we're, we're praying God's <laughs> conviction on them and uh, but I have two awesome granddaughters. I have a little uh, Nora, Nora Jane, and, and Joey Kate, and they are precious. One's two, and two years, four months, and the other one is eight months. And so uh, um, I figured out why they call them grandkids. They cost you about a grand a month. I mean, I mean, I it's, wow. I'll get my credit card bill and I says, Babe, what what's this? Oh, I saw some shoes. You know, so. But it's great to be here. We uh, we did this event like this called Power Plus. That's what this day is called. probably about oh, three or four months ago, at our church, and God put it on my heart to do this. You know, I was with the Power Team for twenty five years and I traveled around the world and I got to see some incredible things, but he really convicted me. He said, I I placed, it's not anointing. My wife and I talked about this. It's not anointing, it's a mantle. He said, I placed a mantle on you at 14 when I called you to ministry. That mantle is the mantle of salvation. And any time that I begin to preach on salvation, people get saved. It's not me, it has nothing to do with me. It's a mantle that God's placed on me. And God told me, he said, you need to step back into that arena. And I said, well, I can't preach salvation every Sunday. You know, I'm, I'm a pastor. I gotta preach, you know, I gotta give people the word to grow on. But he said, I want you to do this plus one. And he gave me the idea. And so for two weeks I said, I told our church, I said, this Sunday's gonna be designated plus one. Bring your family, plus one family. You're single, plus one single. Bring someone. And long story short, we had a really we really, had a really good crowd and preached the message. And we had uh, 17 people born again and eight people in line born again. And now, and that's awesome, and I praise God for that. The following Tuesday, I get a phone call from my deacons in my church. He said, Pastor Craig, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm sitting here not doing much. And he said, well, I'm driving home from work. He worked in Purcell, which is about 45 minutes from our house. And he said, Pastor Craig, I got thinking about your message. And I said, Well, that's awesome, Jeff. And uh, he said, I just, I know I was baptized when I was nine years of age at the Chickasaw Baptist Church. He said, But Pastor Craig, I don't know when I ever accepted Christ. 25 years, he has been a deacon in our church. A pillar never misses, there when the doors are open. But I said something in that sermon. He said that clicked with me. He said just because you come forward and give give the pastor your hand doesn't mean you give Jesus your heart. And so many times what happens to church folk is this right here. We miss God by 18 inches. We know God, but we've never met God. It's 18 inches that separates us from God sometimes. And he said... Would you pray with me? I said, absolutely. We prayed. He accepted Christ. Wednesday morning, 6.30 in the morning, my daughter calls. My daughter, I mean, just angelic. I mean, she just loves Jesus all her heart. She calls at 6.30 in the morning crying. And she said, Dad, I remember in a power team meeting. You hold me. She's about five, maybe six. Is that the altar called? I was holding her and I was leading people to Christ. And she said, I, saw, I remember people coming forward. I remember me coming forward. But I don't remember praying that prayer. So we prayed. There'll be those that stand before God. You will stand before God. He will say either enter in thy good and faithful servant or depart I never knew you. It doesn't matter how long you've come to this church, how committed you've been to this church, how much you have served in this church, if you've not been born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Do you know what that means? That means there's going to be a lot of good people in hell one day. A lot of good people in hell one day. I, uh, I said I got to travel the world with the power team, and I got to see personally one million people give their heart to Christ personally. I sit in Leningrad Stadium and watched 75,000 Russians come forward after I preached accepting Jesus I know y'all know who Chuck Norris is you ever heard of that guy he's not a bad guy I personally got to lead Chuck Norris to Jesus personally that was awesome I'm like you know you Chuck Norris you're bad but you're not that bad you don't know Jesus you're not that bad you know I was watching several years ago 2020 on TV, and they had a, a, a reporter going to the streets with a camera. And they were talking about heaven and hell. Is it real? Do you believe heaven and hell is real? And most people said, yeah, well, I believe it's real. And uh, they started asking this question. Well, when you die, do you think you go to heaven or hell? 90% of the people said heaven. And so then they asked this question. Well, well why do you think you're going to heaven? And he got reasons after reason after reason good person, never hurt anybody, you know, pay my taxes, born in America. You hear all kinds of stuff. You hear all kinds of stuff. But the there's only one 11-year-old boy that got it right. And he said, because I accepted Jesus in my heart, I realized I was a sinner in need of a Savior. Asked Christ in my heart, I know that I'm going to heaven. So that's proof. There's a lot of people that think they're going to heaven that aren't going to heaven. You may be here right now today think thinking you're on your way to heaven, but You're not. Here's one question I'll ask, and I'll let you ponder this question for the next 30 minutes, and we'll be out of here. Here's a question I want you to think to yourself: If I was to die right now, where would I spend eternity? If I was to die right now, before my head hit that hit that carpet, I would stand before God, and He would say either "Enter in, thy good and faithful servant," or "Depart, I never knew you." What would it be in your case? I want you just to think about that. I remember one time I did a youth, I did a youth event, and I asked all the youth lead, I asked all the kids there. I so said, "I want you to write down your percentage of what you, what your percentage is of getting to heaven, from one from zero to hundred percent." Ninety-five percent of them put eighty-five percent, and I took that, and I took that stat to hold it up. I said, "Guess what?" You can be 99.9% sure that you're going to heaven. You're still 100% lost. We had 385 kids come forward and accept Christ that day. So, my point is, you better know that you know that your knower knows. There's not a shadow of a doubt in my heart that if I was to die like that, I know I'm hearing you say, enter in that good and faithful servant. Not because I'm a preacher, not because I do everything perfect, I do not, but because I have a covenant with God through Jesus, his son. When at 14 at 12 years of age, I accept him into my heart and I ask him to be my Lord and Savior. So it's real. I want you to know it's real. I want to, I want to, you know, I've heard people say this. Well, you know, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, we all know the story. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, "You can eat from any tree you want to eat from, but just don't don't eat. You know, just don't take that tree right there. Everything in the garden is yours. Just don't eat from that tree." Well, they we all know what happened. You know, the serpent, Satan, deceived Eve, Eve, her husband, or Adam. The very moment that that took place, we'll use this analogy here. This is man. This is God. The very moment that they took a bite of that forbidden fruit, here's what happened sin entered into man, and a separation took place. Who moved? Man. God didn't move. God will never leave you or forsake you. He didn't move. And ever since this time, people have been trying to work their way back to God by works. If I do good, if I go to church enough, I get closer to God. If I give enough money, I get closer to God. If I serve, I get closer to God. But you're still short because sin has separated you from God. That's why Jesus died on the cross. And because he died on the cross, he bridges the gap now from God to man. And now man get to God because through a relationship with Jesus I can't make it any more simple than that folks it's so simple you almost got to try to go to hell it's so simple and the enemy just deceives us and you know I've heard people say well you know they compare their sin to other people saying well I don't sin as so and so and so I've heard especially this from young people man I, you know, I speak in schools and they'll talk to me and they'll say are you Christian I'm like yeah I'm a Christian they'll well, I'm a Christian. I said, Well, oh, really? What makes you a Christian? Well, I don't cuss. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, you know I, I, you know, I go to church down there at First Baptist. I go to church, you know, that's in the God church. I said, that's awesome. I said, I go to McDonald's. They will not make me a hamburger. They kind of look at me. I said, you know what I mean? No, not really. I said, you can say all you want. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. But unless you've been born again, you can't enter that kingdom. You can't enter the kingdom of God. Jesus told that to Zacchaeus, Nicodemus I mean, He told Nicodemus, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. I had the wonderful opportunity of flying out of Oklahoma City every single week when I was with the power team. And I'm going to try to make this story very short. But I always, we have what we call back-to-back crusades. In other words, we fly in fly out on Monday, and then, I mean, fly out on Tuesday, fly back on Monday, crusade was Wednesday through Sunday, fly back Monday, Tuesday, get on an airplane, fly another crusade, and so I had a back-to-back, and I mean, I had a busy week before, and this week coming up was going to be busy, like 48 schools and five-night rally every night, and so I was tired, and I had to get up at 3.30 to go catch my 6 o'clock flight in Oklahoma City, and I I was, I was complaining. I'm going to lie to you. I was complaining to God. I said, I'm tired. I so, boo-hoo. You know, God will meet you where you're at, right? He said, you asked me for this. You asked to be used. I said, yes, sir, I did. He said, so get on that plane and go do what I called you to do. So I get on the airplane, and I, I think, you know what? I'm going to sit right here next to this window. I'm going to prop myself up in this window with my pillow, and I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to catch some rest because as soon as I landed, I was going to get into a van and go to a school assembly and speak. So have you ever flown before? I mean, how many of you have flown before you've flown? Have you seen the seats? (laughs) They're that big, right? Now, at the time, I don't weigh this anymore, but at the time, I was 308 pounds. And so (laughs) I didn't like to fly next to people. I was an angry flyer when I flew next to people because I just, you know, take your armrest. Anyway. So this is guy. When I get on the plane and I got to board early because I frequent flyer miles, so I get on the plane. So when I get on the plane, my ritual was prop up that pillow, get ready to sleep, and then pray to God that no one sat next to me. That's my ritual. I know it sounds terrible, but that's my ritual. So... I'm praying, I said, Lord, now please, you know, I'm tired, please let anybody sit next to me and, and God let and let this be a good flight, let us be safe, you know, and all the whole things you pray. And I, you know, people start coming in, well, you start <laughs> you start faking that sleep, you know, you're like, but you're literally peeking out of the eye, make sure they're not stopping at your row. So I'm kind of peeking at mine. And, and I see a guy get on the plane, he's about six foot eight. He's about three eighty-five. I go into the most fervent prayer mode you've ever seen in your life. God in heaven, if you're real, please do not let that man sat next to me. You know, I mean, I'm praying everything I can pray. God, you you love me. You, you know, you love you. Know, I know you chastise those you love, but I don't need you chastising today, Lord. I need sleep today. And I'm praying, and by the time he stops, he get he gets right to my row, and I'm praying hard. God, no, no, no. And he looks on the other side. I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. He goes, nope, that's not it. And He turns around, and looks at me, he goes, I'm sitting right next to you. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Have a seat. Please sit down. Now, some things you just can't make up, right? I'm not making this up. Big old country boy wearing his overalls looks at me and he goes, <laughs> let me do my best country impression of this guy. He goes, whoo, you big old boy, what you do? I said, what, what? He said, you're a big old boy, what you do? I said, what do I do? He said, that's what I said, what you do? I, oh, well, hey, you just don't say I break bricks and you know, snap baseball bats for Jesus. you got to explain what I do. So I begin to explain what we do and everything. He goes, oh, that's awesome. And then he says this. He goes, I know I'm going to heaven. I said, well, that's great. And I said, well, I'm going to catch some sleep here. Well, You know, 20 months busy. So he said, yeah, I'm sorry about this. We're backing out of the, you know, the terminal. And the Lord just taps on my heart. Ask that man why he thinks he's going to heaven. I said, Lord, I'm really tired. And I got a busy week. And I said, please just let me. I just need a little bit of sleep here. So we're taxing out. And we start, you know, taking off. Plane leaves the ground. The Lord, again, ask that man why he thinks he's going to heaven. I said, God, can I do it later? Just let me sleep a little bit. We get to about thirty-five thousand feet, our cruising altitude. And again, the Lord Craig asked that man why he thinks he's going to heaven, and I said, "Lord, and I told you I'm tired." You don't tell the Lord anything like that. Don't ever do that. He said, "He, he said to me, let me remind you, you're at thirty-five thousand feet. You have my attention, God. Yes, okay, all right, all right." So I looked over the man. He's just kind of you know sitting there. I said, "Sir, can I ask you a question?" He goes, "Well, sure." I said, Well, earlier you said that you know you're going to heaven. He goes, Yep, that's right. I said, Well, can I ask you why you think you're going to heaven? Well, huh. Nobody's ever asked me that before. He thought about it. He said, Well, I got five reasons. I said, Okay. I'm a good person, I never hurt anybody. I don't drink, I don't smoke. I don't cheat on my wife. He goes, that ought to about do it. That was his, and he was sincere. I mean, he was sincere. He was sincerely wrong, but he was sincere. So instead of me looking at him and saying, "Eh, wrong answer, you're going to hell. Like a lot of Christians would do, you know. I just said under my breath, Lord, help me help him realize he's wrong. So here's what God gave me. I said, sir, where are we going right now? He said, well, uh, we're going to Chicago. I said, yes, sir, you're right. I said, it took off like we're going to Chicago? He said, yes, sir. I said, it banked like we're going to Chicago? He said, yes, sir. I said, doesn't it feel like we're going to Chicago right now? He goes, yeah, it does. I said, sir, but what if this plane lands, and when it lands, and we open the doors, and we get off the airplane, it says, welcome to Denver. He goes, well, I guess we got on the wrong plane. I said, yes, sir, you're right. He said, well, what's your point? I said, sir, it may feel like you're going to heaven. It may look like you're doing all the right things to get to heaven. I said, but in John 3, 3, and open opened my Bible, I said, unless you've been born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And I said, "You didn't. that wasn't one of your answers. He said, born a what? I said, born again. I've never heard of that. And I said, I want to say yes, sir, that's obvious. But I said, well, let me explain it to you. I explained it to him. The little tears in his eyes welled up, rolled down his cheek. He said, man, I don't want to go to hell. I said, I don't want you to. He said, will you pray with me? I said, sure. We prayed the sinner's prayer. I've never seen him again, but I'll see him once again one day. I had the opportunity before I get into my sermon. I know this is a long introduction, but <laughs> trust me, I won't be long, I promise you. I had the opportunity with me and 10 other guys on the power team to go before Billy Graham had passed away and meet with his staff, personally talk to Billy Graham. He's my hero. Hero. And one thing I took from that that I'll never forget is this right here. He said, gentlemen, I can 100% guarantee this fact in my heart of hearts because I prayed about it. He said, I estimate that 70% of every person that attends church on Sunday morning has never truly met the master. 70%. That is an alarming statistic. I want to I I give you the title of my message. Here's the title of it. What in hell do you want? I'm not cussing there either, by the way. What in hell do you want? I'm going to give you five reasons why you never want to go to a place called hell. Look at Luke chapter 16. It'll be on your screen. Verses 19 through 31, a rich, certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died, verse 22, and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried in hell. And being in torment in hell, verse 23, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, remember, the one with full of sores, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I'm in agony, agony in this flame. Abraham says, son, remember your lifetime, you received your good things. Likewise, Lazarus evil. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, verse 26, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you ascend into my father's house, because I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of what? Torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses the prophet and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rise from the dead. The first reason you don't want to go to hell. Number one, it's a place of torment. Verse 23 says, And being in torment in hell, he lifted up his eyes, saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his b- bosom. As a pastor, you do a lot of funerals sometimes. I did a funeral of a young man, probably, I think he was 28 years of age. He was killed in a motorcycle accident. The church was full. Funeral took place. I stood right here by the, by the casket, as people came and viewed the, the body. And one of his friends came up to him. He looked, him, looked down at him. He started talking to him. He said, man, he said, you save me a place in hell. He said, because when I get there, you and I, we're gonna party in hell. I wanna tell you something, folks. There is no party in hell. You will know no one. It's a place of eternal separation. Number two, in hell you can feel the pain. Verse 24 says, he cried, says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus, tip his finger in water because I am tormented in this flame. Number two, you can feel the pain. Lazarus had sores all over his body. He was so thirsty, willing to lick the sores off Lazarus' fingers to quench his thirst. Have you, have you ever experienced a burn before? Anybody here ever been burned physically before? It's very painful if you've ever spirits burned. I was about seven, eight years of age, and my mom and dad we were we were out and had rented a log cabin, and I had quite the imagination as a young man, and I started racing motorcycles when I was about nine or ten years of age, motocross. Well, before that, I mean, everything I did was motocross. I mean, in my mind, I mean, so I'm sitting in this lawn chair, you know, those old timey lawn chairs that fold up, you know? I'm sitting in the back. I'm not sitting in a ride. Right. I'm sitting on my knees in and I'm rocking back and forth. And this is my, you know, souped up motorcycle. I'm, I'm racing a race. And my dad's grilling hamburgers. I mean, like, here's the deal right here. And I'm, my, the, you know, the grill's right here. And I'm starting rocking back and forth and I'm like making all the noises. My dad says, son, he says, son stop. I'm like, why? He said, just stop. Okay, thirty seconds go by. And I'm back in it again. You know, I'm back in the race, and here we go. And, and my dad, he said, "What did I just tell you?" I said, I, uh, "What was that?" He said, "I told you to stop." I said, "But well, Dad, why well, I'm not hurting anything? I'm just sitting right. It's right here." He said, "Do you see how close this grill is?" I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "You know what? You could lose your balance, and that lunch here would fold up, and you would instinctively reach out, and you could land on this hot grill, and it'd burn you severely, bad." I'm talking some of the worst pain you ever felt in your life, son. So my little, you know, seven, eight-year-old mind begins to calculate all the information I've been given. Cheer folds up, <laughs> reach out stingly, burn, severely pain, stop. I quit. I didn't want to experience that. So my dad goes back into the cabin to get some more hamburger meat or hot dogs. I can't remember what it was. And I didn't, I'm not going to do that. I'm the world's greatest motorcycle racer. I lose my balance. I'm not losing my balance. I am the man. Just ask me. I'll tell you. I am the man. I can do this. So I made sure my dad wasn't coming out. I'm backing it, man. I'm hitting the triple jumps. I mean, I'm, I'm flying. I'm crossing it up. I mean, I'm super, I'm doing it all. My dad comes out of that door, and he has a tray like this. Where it has those old-timey screen doors on it, you know? And so his the wind catches it, and it goes, whack. And when it did, I went, and when I did, it's amazing how f- smart fathers are. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, that lunch goes, and I went, ah, and I landed on that hot grill. I screamed like a panther. My dad dropped that hammer at me. He ran over there. He goes, son, are you okay? I said, no, this is not good. This is not, definitely not good. Definitely not good. Because when I held my hand up, my, and I'm not trying to be gross, but I had skin hanging from my, I mean, it's third degree burn. It's bad. It had bubbles. It was bad. So he, he takes some mustard, and puts mustard all over it. I'm, what are you doing? <laughs> if you ever get burned, trust me, it takes the sting out a little bit. Not a lot, not third degree, but a, a little bit. So he goes, come on, we're going to have to get your mom. We've got to go to the hospital. we got to get that taken care of. So we're going to the hospital, and here's what I want you to hear. He begins to prepare me how bad this is going to be, right? He said they're going to have to take a wool brush. And they're going to scrape that skin off. And they got to disinfect and clean it out. I'm like, cool. I got no problem with that. He said, "Oh, you're going to." He tried to tell me how bad this was going to be. Right? It took that doctor and two nurses to hold me down when they took that wool brush to my arm. I screamed, I cried, I hurt, and I said these words, "Dad." You told me it would be bad, but I didn't know it would be this bad. And if I could tell anyone here today, hell is going to be bad, I still cannot describe how bad it's going to be one day. The pain. Number three, in hell you can see heaven but never go there. A A lot of people miss this verse right here. Look at verse 26. In hell, number three, you can see heaven but never go there. Besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor those from there pass to us. You know what that means? Here's what that means In hell, you can see heaven but never go there. You can see what you could have had, but you chose not to, except Christ. In the power team, we did a lot of prison ministry. And we get letters from these guys. And I got a letter one time from this guy. And he said, Craig, he said, could you give me a workout for endurance? That's a strange request. Because usually they want to get bigger, they want to get stronger. Could you give me one for endurance? I said, sure. And we got riding back and forth. And I asked him, I said, why do you want one for endurance? He said, because in my cell... There's a little there's a window with with bars on it. He said, I can pull myself up, and if I can hold myself up long enough, enough, I can see there's a park two blocks away. I can see dads playing with their kids. I can see families having picnic. I can see everything. And he was in there for life. He was never getting out. He says, so refreshing to see all that going on. He said, I can see it, Pastor Mark, but I can never go there. Can you imagine in hell seeing heaven what you could have had? But you just said, no, I'm good. Not right now. The fourth reason is found in verse 27, 28. He said, therefore, Father, I beg you that you would send him to my father's house. Because I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Number four, here's a reason. Hell is the only place that you can pray to God and he can never answer you. He can't. It's too late. I wish I had a dime for every time somebody said, well, how can an all-loving God send anyone to hell? Hear me very clearly. Hell was never designed for you or humanity. Hell was designed for Lucifer and the fallen angels. But when you reject the free gift, free gift of God through his son Jesus, your destiny then becomes a place called hell. It was never designed for us, though. And the last one found in verse 29 through 31, it says, Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, no, Father, but if one goes from the dead, they'll repent. He said, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded Though one rise from the dead. Number five is this right here. You'll remember every opportunity you ever had to receive Christ, and you said no. Yes. Not now. They got Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. They got this guy from Sulphur, Oklahoma here today, let him hear them. You'll remember every opportunity you ever had to say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. It's that simple. And you said no. You put it off. John 6, 44 says this. this, No one can come to me. This is God talking. This is Jesus talking. Unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up in the last days. Here's what that means. A while ago at the very beginning when I asked you this question, if you were to die right now, where would you spend eternity? Something inside of you tugged at your heart and either said, you're not ready. I don't know. I'm 90% sure, but I'm not 100% sure. That's something called the Holy Spirit. That's John six forty four. That's God picking you right there. God picks you. Hear me, you don't pick God. God picks you. He reveals himself to you. The Bible says today's a day of salvation. Maybe you're here because your husband or your wife asked you to be here. That's awesome. I'm glad you came. Maybe you're here because your mom and dad wanted you to be here. Maybe you're here because you heard about the event. You know, I'm here today for that reason. No, you're here because God wanted you to hear this word. And God is picking you today. The thing about it is, is you have to make the choice. You have to do it. I can't do it for you. Pastor Mark can't do it for you. And it's so simple. It's so simple. I've heard people say this time and time again. I'll get my life right later, just not right now. I got one more party to attend. I got one more shady business deal to do. I'll do it tomorrow. Let me tell you, if I could tell you the the devil's favorite word, it's not some gross cuss word. The devil's favorite word is the word tomorrow. You've got plenty of time. Do it later. Don't do it now. Do it later. The devil, hear me, is not going to try to convince you there's no God. He's going to try to convince you there's no hurry to serve God. And he's pulling out all the stops. And people are going for it every single day. Hell is full of people that said tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I told Pastor Mark yesterday, I said, sometimes I do I do the author calls different. I said, I always go by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I have the people come forward, sometimes I don't. And I want you to hear this very clearly. People coming forward is man's tradition. The Bible says, simply believe that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you'll be saved. What I'm saying is I'm going to make this the easiest it's ever been for you. I'm not going to call you forward. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm a man of my word and I promise you I will not embarrass you in any way, shape or form. This is between me, you, and God, and I don't count right now. But I want to tell you something. God is in this room. He is picking you. He is drawing you to salvation. You have to answer that call, sir, ma'am, young person. I don't care if you've gone here for since the church doors was first opened. What this is about is between you and God. God knows everything about you. The awesome thing about God, he's not telling anybody. He knows the condition of your heart, sir. Ma'am, he knows. Well, but my husband or my wife thinks I'm born again. They think that it doesn't matter. All that matters is what God knows and what you know. And I truly believe in my heart of hearts, there are people that have been coming here for many, many years that you have truly never met the master. Today is your day. I drove three and a half hours for you to see your life changed by the power of God. And I'm begging you, I'm imploring you, please answer the call. I can't raise your hand for you. If I could, I would. That's how much I want to see you in heaven with me. This is your choice. You've got to choose, sir. You've got to choose, ma'am. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a 30-second prayer a prayer of repentance and a prayer of salvation. And if you're here from the youngest to the oldest person here, and you're here right now, and you say, Craig, I'm not 100% sure. Like you asked a while ago that if I was to die, I would would stand before God. He would say, enter in thy good and faithful servant. But you know what, Pastor Craig? I want to be 100% sure. Guess what? You can. All you got to do is when I count to three in just a second is lift your hand up and I'll count that prayer for you. We'll, pre- we'll all repeat a prayer together. And you are now a citizen of heaven. That's how simple this is. The enemy's going to lie to you. The enemy's lying to you right now. Oh, you're okay. You don't need to do that. I promise you, you do. If you're not 100% sure, man, there's some, there's some things in my heart I'm not 100% sure. I've got to get, get these things. Don't put it off. Make things right with God right now, sir. Right now, ma'am, please. I I beg you. Don't put it off. So I'm out of time, and I'm going to pray. When I count to three, I want you just to slip your hand up, and you can put it right back down when I count to three. And if you'd hold it up just for a second so I can make sure that I see you, because I believe we have multiple people accepting Christ here today. If you're online and you're watching online, I want you to put in those comments, I accepted Christ. I raised my hand. That prayer is going to count for you, too. On watching online today. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you want this prayer to count for you, you want to make sure heaven's your home, and you're going to miss hell like I am. And we're going to rejoice together. When I count to three, I want you to shoot your hands straight up high all across this auditorium. When I count to three, and I'll count this prayer for you. One, two, three. Slip it up high. Please keep it there. Please keep it up. One, two, three. 21, 21 people. Praise God. Put your hands down. Thank you. And I could be wrong. There could be more. There's a lot of hands. Father, thank you for every hand that was raised. More importantly, that hand represents a heart. That, that hand represents a heart that's being robbed from hell. Thank you that heaven's bigger now and hell's smaller. Thank you for Pastor Mark that had the vision to have this service. Thank you for those 21, 22 people that now are having their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you for that. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, this prayer is for those that raise their hand, but everyone that can hear my voice so no one feels embarrassed, everyone say this with me, prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus... Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I ask you right now to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I know today I'm not becoming religious, I'm becoming a new creation in Christ. Satan, I put you on notice. You're finished in my life. I have a new course and I'm going to run that course. I'm going to run my race and I'm going to have victory in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a great big hand clap, everyone. Great big hand clap. Praise God. My goodness. So good. Now let me say this before I turn it back to Pastor Mark. First of all, it's 1154, so we're going to be the Baptist. Second of all, that's important. <laughs> Second of all, this right here. If you raised your hand, it's important that you identify with what you did. Because here's why. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, so will I be of your, before my Father in heaven, of you. I know you're not ashamed of him. So here's what I want you to do. Either today, sometime this week, coming up, come to Pastor Mark or Miss Jada and say, Hey, I raised my hand in that service. I accepted Christ, and I want you to know. Now, here's the next thing you do: get baptized. Yeah. Well, I was baptized when I was 12. No, baptism before salvation is a bath. Yeah. You just got dunked. Yeah. You're born again. Now you want to get baptized? That's the greatest experience in the world, man. I got born again on Sunday morning, Sunday night. I got baptized. I got the holy duck. Yeah. I baptized the other guy the other day, and and he said, he said, man, Craig, I got a lot of sin. I said, well, how long can you hold your breath? Turned out not to be very long. when you missed me Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't. But be baptized, it's important. Be be baptized. But really, really, please hear me. Tell Pastor Mark, tell tell Miss Jada. Tell your husband, tell your wife, you know. Amen. Hey, gosh, I, I saw husbands and wives raised. Amen. Your family will be changed changed right now man I'm so proud of you men Somebody's hard for those hairy legged guys to raise their hand yeah. but I'm proud of you guys yeah. real men serve God real men I've heard people I've heard men say this even heard it heard in my church and I scolded them for it too and I did scold them well I left the praying up to the missus I said you're a coward and you're weak you take the spiritual lead in your home men and you be the leader that God's called you to be that's what we need in America today—more men to be leaders. Okay, I'll get off my high horse. Pastor Mark, thank you for having
0: me. Amen. Thank you, thank you, Pastor Craig. I love you, brother. Amen. Oh, I was sitting over there going, "That is the best message I have ever heard on hell yes. in church." And here's the deal, guys: we don't hear that that kind of preaching enough um, because we need that. And and when our you know, and I know, like Pastor Craig said, this is a mandate that's upon his life. But what I want to tell you guys, and I hope you heard it. I hope you tuned in the Holy Spirit. Because um, I, I don't know, the, the there was urgency in, in his voice that God was communicating to us. And here's the deal, guys, time is short. Yes. Jesus is coming back soon. Yes. And so this plus one is is goes beyond this Sunday is what I'm saying. And I'm going to say the ones that raised your hands, you need to follow the Lord and water baptism like Pastor Craig was talking. We can do that next Sunday, but we've also got a day coming up in uh, on Easter Sunday in March where we're going to do that, you know, corporately and have a big water baptism if you want to wait till then. Or we can do it twice if you want to do it next Sunday and do it then on Easter Sunday. I'll, I, I've got dunked twice in my life, okay? I was the one like Pastor Craig was talking that was nine years old, and then Jade and I, after a after year of marriage, we realized we need to get our family in church, and we did. And um, we accept, got back in there, and I was like, um, and I'm like, Pastor Craig, what he was talking about. I don't, know, I don't know if I really was saved, I'll be honest with you. And because um, that was the, and I accepted Jesus and went through water baptism when I was 23 and been walking with him ever since. So if you need to get water baptism again, again, do it. I've done some guys three times. So we'll do as many times as it needs to. But it's like what Pastor Craig said, it's what's going on in here first, yes. that you've had that born-again experience, and you've come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Give Pastor, Pastor Craig a big hand clap. And guys, thank you, Travis. We've got, a, we've got a basket back here on the sound booth, and we want to bless Pastor Craig with a big offering. And remember, he's a ref. Okay, so <laughs> I just had to throw that in there again. Uh, uh, so, yeah, because he may be calling class A and class B back, and we're believing our kids are going to be there. So we want to get some good calls. Uh, so we want to be a blessing to him. I'm just, uh, hey, whatever it takes, guys. I, I want to bless this man of God, okay? Uh, I, you saw the, the, the gifting that's upon his life, uh, and I like what he said. It was It's a mandate, and he's going to some other places this year to do this plus one event so we want to be a blessing to him and his ministry so you can give if you're writing a check make it out to hfc if you're giving cash you can use one of those cash envelopes back there so we can have a record of your giving and we want to be a huge blessing to him all right i want everybody to stand up and i'm going to speak a blessing over you as you go out today i'm going to speak numbers chapter 6 verses 24 through 26 over everybody today the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 Hug somebody's neck. Be sure and give back there in this offering to Pastor Craig. And uh, and Pastor Craig, if you'll go back there at the back and greet people, I'll get Pastor Craig back there so he can say hi to everybody here. Yeah, and you can also give.